Praise God. How many was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord? Hey, let's thank Holly, the whole team of frontline singers and musicians for leading us into the presence of God. Come on, let's give it up for them. Don't you appreciate them? Anointed people, we appreciate them leading us into the presence of God, and we thank God for them. Amen. You have your Bible tonight. Turn to 1 Timothy, if you will. 1 Timothy. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've got a little echo tonight. If you need to do something different, you let me know. But uh, whatever we need to do. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1 tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read verses uh, 5 and then verses 19. 1 Timothy 1, 5. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience. Everybody say clear conscience and genuine faith. Yeah. And then uh, let your eyes slip down in 1 Timothy to 1 Timothy 1, verse 19. I'm reading that from the New Living Translation tonight. 1 Timothy 1, 19. It says, cling to your faith in Christ. Keep your conscience clear, for some people have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Somebody tell me, uh, somebody say this with me, shipwrecked faith. Yeah, yeah, God doesn't want you and I to have shipwrecked faith, amen. I was watching, uh, I love uh, boating. Uh, My dad, uh, before he went to heaven, he owned a, a boat, and uh, he lived in New Jersey, so whenever I'd go and see my dad, then he would, uh, we'd go, and the first thing we'd do, if it was springtime like this, is we would get his boat out of storage, and we would get his boat ready for the water. We would clean his boat up and get it down in the water, and then we would head out to the Atlantic Ocean. And man, we had, uh, I just can't tell you how many times, how many wonderful times that we had out there uh, on, the, uh, on the ocean. And, um, but uh, as I would uh, steer the boat, you know, you're going out into the ocean and you have to follow the channel out into the ocean and the, the, all the water looks the same when you're driving the boat. Anywhere you look, the water seems like it's the same level. But it's very dangerous when you're going out to the ocean if you get outside that channel. And the channel's marked with red and green markers and it, it's a reason that the channel's marked that way because if you get your boat outside of that, well, there are rocks, there are sticks, there are all kinds of uh, intrusions that will get the propeller and, and could sink the boat. And, um, so I saw that, uh, I saw that on YouTube. I saw that on YouTube the other day, a guy got outside the channel, all the water looks the same, but if you disobey the instruction and get outside the channel markers, you wind up in an area where the water looks the same, but it can ruin your boat. And he hit some rocks and then the tide went down and the boat was just sitting five feet in the air on, on rocks, just sitting up on the rocks, five feet in the air. And, and of course he was saying, I didn't obey, I didn't obey the rules. I got outside the channel. Well, how many know God's word has some rules for you and I tonight as believers. And if we'll stay inside the the channel, if we'll stay inside the channel of God's word and follow the direction of his spirit, then everything will be all right. Tonight's uh, sermon, the title of the sermon is, uh, uh, matters of conscience. This is the title of the sermon tonight, matters of conscience. That's what we're speaking tonight. We're speaking about the conscience. There's nothing like a believer who has a trained spirit and a trained conscience. Do you know we all have a conscience? Every one of us has a, has a conscience. The Bible here at uh, 1 Timothy 3.19 says that this group of people, it says the admonition is cling to your faith in Christ, keep your conscience clear, 
for some having deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. And how you know God doesn't want us to have shipwrecked faith? God wants us to grow. God wants us to mature. God wants us to experience every blessing that he has for us in Christ. And that yet there are some people who are believers, who are fine people, who are good people, and yet they continue to override their conscience. When you override your conscience, you'll put a callus over your heart. You'll lose your sensitivity to God. How many want to be sensitive to the Lord? How many want to be more sensitive to God tonight than you've ever been in your whole life? I'm, praise God, you know, we all should want to be sensitive uh, to, uh, to the Lord. You know, I've said so often, um, you know, I enjoy uh, playing guitar. Tony and I, we, we uh, play uh, so often. We have a little music room and we, and, and we go there and worship God so often. And we were there before church tonight and uh, I, and my, my, my left hand, I've, I've said so often, my left hand, the very tip of my left hand has calluses on it from playing the guitar. And I love that because when I first started playing the guitar, my hands used to hurt so bad. <laughs> Brother Glenn Henry, he was, he was teaching me and Brother Glenn said, well, what, you, just keep playing because calluses will develop and then it won't hurt anymore. And I said, I don't know about them. I don't know about calluses. All I can tell you is my hand hurts. <laughs> but like Glenn said, calluses develop right on the very tip of my fingers and and, um, but sometimes people allow calluses to develop over their heart. There's something seriously wrong when a Christian will violate their conscience. And so we want to talk about conscience and, and matters of prayer tonight and, and matters of dealing with people tonight and matters of dealing with your partner or your spouse tonight. Conscience is an important thing. Everybody has a conscience. Go with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, everybody has a conscience. And our, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 2. 2 verse 14, 2 verse 14. Uh, everybody has a conscience. And, um, you know, I love the book of Romans. The book of Romans is a spiritual courtroom. It's like God paints a picture of a spiritual courtroom. And in the book of Romans, um, God uh, begins to speak to different types of people. He speaks to the Jewish people who received his law. And ultimately in the book of Romans, he tells the Jewish people, you're guilty because I gave you the law, but you didn't follow the law. You didn't obey the law. And, and Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But before the Bible says all have sinned and God deals with the, with the Jewish people uh, for not following the law, he deals with the moralist. And he says, you, you, uh, you had certain moral codes and, and, and moral laws that you wrote. You didn't even follow those. And he says, you're guilty as you stand before my court. And then God says to those who didn't have the law, those who weren't moralist, he says to those who were, who were just uh, Gentiles and they didn't have any law at all. And God says in my court, you are also guilty. But he says something interesting and you start to pick, on, pick up on it here in, in Romans chapter two. He says, you're guilty because you had a conscience. And, and in your conscience, you knew right from wrong. And, and, and in your conscience, you knew when you were doing right, you knew when you were doing wrong and you violated that. He even tells them in the book of Romans, he says, you, you, you knew that a God existed. You may not have known who I was, but God says you're guilty to the Gentiles. He says, because you could look in the sky and see the sun, the moon, the stars, you could see the galaxies. And you knew that some higher power had to put that there. But instead of worshiping the higher power for putting it there, you made idols out of the creation. You made idols out of the birds, out of the trees, and you called that God. And, and, and God said, you, you violated your conscience when you did that. You're guilty. 
The scripture says, Romans 3.23, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the penalty for sin is death, or separation from God. Yeah. Oh, but aren't you glad that there's one God and one mediator between God and man to man, Christ Jesus, and Jesus came and shed his blood and sacrificed his life so that we could have freedom again in Christ and have a brand new relationship with our heavenly father. <laughs> in Christ, we are justified. What that mean? He treats me just as if I'd never sinned. The efficacy of the blood of Jesus has redeemed us and set us free. Is there anybody in here who's just glad to be washed in the blood? You know, we ought to act like we're glad to be washed in the blood. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, okay, well, I'm saved. I don't, you know, it don't mean anything. I could be saved or unsaved. You know, I don't care about anything, but it don't mean anything to me. You know, okay, I'm saved. I'm not saved. It don't mean nothing to me. No, we shouldn't act like that. We ought to act like those who are so grateful to be washed, so grateful to be set free. Anybody glad? Can anybody remember what it was like before you met Jesus? Before he washed you in the blood, before the blood set you free. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that same blood is a hedge of protection around you tonight. (laughs) Thank God. Everybody say, thank God for the blood. Because it was the blood of Jesus that cleansed our conscience. And so even though you're in Romans chapter two, verse 14, it says, even the Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their heart for their own, what? Their own conscience and thoughts. Either accuse them or tell them they're doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ, will judge everyone's secret life. Our conscience is that part of our spirit where we know right from wrong. And there are so many people today who are, who are willing to violate their, their conscience. I, re, I remember when, uh, when a woman came to see me and, and she told me, she said, uh, uh, she said uh, I, I just recently got married. I'm in from out of town. I'm going to make an appointment to see you. And I just recently got married. I said, well, praise God. Glad for you. Glad you got married. And uh, now this is a woman talking to me. And she said, well, I married another woman. I said, oh. So she said, uh, I said, well, where, where, where did you get married? She said, in California. I said, well, who, who married you? She said, my pastor married me. You know, that's a shame. We're talking about matters of conscience tonight. And so she said, my, my pastor back home in California told me that the Bible doesn't say anything about anything wrong, about a woman marrying a woman or a man marrying a man. She said, my pastor said the Bible doesn't say anything wrong, wrong, wrong about that at all. She said, but while we were going through the ceremony, she said, down on the inside, I knew it wasn't right. She said, everybody was there. It was real celebratory atmosphere. Everybody was cheering and rooting. She said, but in my heart, I knew it wasn't right. And she said, but I didn't have any scripture. I didn't have any knowledge of scripture. And I was hoping if if you could show me some scripture, we could go through some scripture and I could see it for myself. And uh, so then I said, well, sure. And and, uh, so I I said, I'm going to call out the references. You turn to the references and I want you to read them. And and so she had her Bible there. And I said, so so she, uh, I called out the reference and she started reading. And then I called out another reference. She started reading. We talk about it for a moment or two. I call out another reference. She start reading, call out another reference. She start reading, call out another reference. She start reading. After about 30 minutes, she, she, she just did like, she said, oh, pastor, I I don't need no more. I got it. I got it. She said, she said, I see it clear. 
She said, in my conscience, I knew it wasn't right. She said, but I justified it because the people around me told me that it was all right. We're talking about matters of conscience on tonight, matters of conscience. Go to uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 10, if you will. Hebrews in chapter 10, matters of conscience tonight. Our, I tell you, God, God can speak to us so wonderfully, so amazing, but when God speaks to us, I tell you, we ought not violate our conscience. So I wish I could get a bigger amen. I said, when God talks to us, we ought to be sensitive. Every believer ought to be sensitive to our conscience. There's a big payoff when we're sensitive to our conscience because when, if we get our conscience trained right, if we'll get our conscience trained and our conscience has to be trained through the word. Now, if we get our conscience trained right, then our conscience can, can be also the voice of our spirit. And, and, and so we'll be much more sensitive to God when we train our conscience right. Here in Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verse 19 through 22. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and living, a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincerity of hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences, look now, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Glory to God. How many glad that your guilty conscience was sprinkled with the blood of Jesus? Amen. God is a good God. Amen. And I'm so thankful for that day that, that he washed me and cleansed me and, and cleansed my guilty conscience. Praise God. And so the first thing we need to do is we need to, be, we need to have our conscience cleansed. And if you've never been born again, then your conscience is still guilty. And you, the only, there's only one way to get free from that. If, you, if you've never been born again, there's only, one, there's only one agent, there's only one cleansing agent that can cleanse a man or a woman's conscience. It's the blood of Jesus. And tonight you can receive him as your savior. And that same blood applied, that same blood applied that we were singing about can be applied to your heart. Praise God. And he will cleanse, cleanse your conscience. He will cleanse your conscience. It's so important to have a cleansed conscience. Look at Acts 24, verse 16. Paul said, I, I operate with a, with a clear conscience. I, I, he said, I'm, 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 I'm keeping a clear conscience before God and man. Acts 24, Acts 24 and uh, uh, 14 through 16. 16 is our verse. 14 says, but I admit that I follow the way which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors. I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. Verse 15, Acts 24, 15. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. And here's our verse 24, 16 of Acts. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. That's a great scripture. He said, I maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. You know, this is the same man that stood there holding the coats and giving the final authorization in Acts chapter 7 as they stoned Stephen to death. And yet here he says, I've got a clear conscience between God and people. Well, how did he get that clear conscience? Oh, the same blood applied. <laughs> the blood of Jesus washed him and cleansed him on that Damascus road. Amen. Praise God for that. Go back with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, we're talking about matters of conscience tonight. 
matters of conscience. You know, all over the Bible, there are so many admonitions for us to keep a clear conscience. The Bible says have a cleansed conscience, a clear conscience, to have a trained conscience, uh, not to allow a seared conscience. Um, as it concerns uh, walking with God and serving the Lord and being sensitive to him, then our conscience is, is key. Our conscience is that part of our spirit that knows right from wrong. And um, so um, verse, uh, 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 1 Timothy 3 now, 1 Timothy 3 and uh, verse 9. 1 Timothy 3 verse 9. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. There it is again. A clear conscience will keep us from what? A clear conscience will keep us from having shipwreck faith. Shipwreck faith is when someone starts off on the right path, but they don't end up on the right path. And keeping a clear conscience will keep us on the right path. You know, how we respond to other people is so important. Uh, while you're there in 1 Timothy 3, that's 3, 9, look down at 1 Timothy 4, verse 2. 1 Timothy 4, verse 2. It says, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the truth, from, from true faith. And they will follow deceptive spirits, teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. The footnote in my Bible says, seared for that word dead. Yeah, a seared conscience. It's like a callus. It doesn't feel it anymore. Go with me to uh, 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24. Matters of conscience tonight. Matters of conscience. First Samuel 24, I love this passage of Scripture. And, um, you know, um, here uh, David, of course, is being chased by Saul. And, and um, David gets the opportunity to, to get Saul. I've shared this many times, and no doubt you've read this many times. It never gets old to me. And, um, but David's conscience here in this situation kept him out of trouble. There were other times in David's life when he violated his conscience and he went right into shipwreck faith. But here, his conscience clearly keeps him out of trouble because Saul is hunting him down. Saul realizes he's going to be the next king. And in a jealous rage, Saul is trying to kill him. And Saul is hunting him with 3,000 trained warriors. You know that story. And David and his 600 men, they, they keep barely escaping for their lives. And finally, the situation arrives where Saul is in a cave. And we see that. And uh, at verse 4, David's men speak to him. Saul's in a cave. He doesn't realize that David and his men are, are in the inner recesses of the cave. So they're further in the cave. And Saul is in the cave to relieve himself. And he doesn't realize that David and his men are hiding in that same cave. And David's men, verse 4, say this. Now's your opportunity is what they say to him. Now, now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. And so David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began to bother him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. And so David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. This is a powerful passage of scripture. Thank God that David was following his conscience. 
Now his men told him something, and these were men that he trusted. These were men that, you know, had risked their lives for him. Uh, and they told him something that just simply was not true. And, and his men said to him, in effect, this is an opportunity the Lord has given you to do to your enemy anything you want. Just go ahead and kill Saul. The, 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 his men were saying, in effect, what the Lord's telling you, David, is go ahead and kill your enemy. Go ahead and do whatever you want to your enemy. And of course, David, acting on that, cut off the corner of Saul's robe, which was really his way of saying, I've got your life in my hand. Your life is mine. You live or die. I'm going to decide that. But the Bible said David's conscience began to bother him down on the inside. And you know, it's a beautiful thing when, when a man or when, when, a, when a Christian man or a Christian woman, when their conscience begins to bother them, that's a beautiful thing. Brother won't get a big enough amen on there. But when our, I tell you what, when our, because, because the Holy Ghost who lives within us, he will respond within our conscience. And I tell you, if we'll listen to that, oh man, you can get out of trouble. You can stay out of trouble. You can stay, you can stay out of trouble if you're not in it. You can get out of trouble if you're in it. <laughs> we need to be sensitive to our conscience. And David followed his conscience and he just said, my conscience won't let me kill Saul. And he backed away from killing him. And then he talked his men out of killing him. And and I tell you, if you follow your conscience, you wouldn't talk to your wife like that. Brother won't get one amen. You you shouldn't be able to talk to that girl any old kind of way. And then you feel, then you just go have dinner. When you can talk to your wife any old kind of way and that don't bother you, something is wrong with you. There are some calluses that have developed over you. When, when, you, when you address your lady disrespectfully, something on the inside ought to eat away at you. You shouldn't be able to eat. You shouldn't be able to sleep. You shouldn't be able to get a cup of water without your conscience eating away at you. Because when you don't treat her right, well, God, God said, listen, that's my daughter you're talking to like that. Brother won't get an amen talking on this level. See, I thought we were talking about David's conscience. Oh, he let his conscience get him. He was about to kill Saul. He was about to kill Saul. But some men have no trouble disrespecting, treating their wives harshly, and don't even bother them. They just, they, they, they can treat her harsh, just go get an ice cream cone, don't even bother them. And you know, there, there, there are some women, and they got no problem. They can treat that man any old kind of way, it don't bother them. The Bible says our conscience, our conscience, we've got a conscience on the inside. And I tell you, every marriage can go to a higher level when, when, when a spirit-filled husband will follow his conscience. I said every marriage can go to a higher level when a spirit-filled wife will follow her conscience. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Y'all looking at me kind of funny when I started talking about marriage. I said, David, David... <laughs> David followed his conscience and man, he said, I can't kill Saul. I can't do that. That's not right. My spirit won't let me do that. And oh man, he he would have gotten in so much trouble with God. He said, the Lord, he said, that's the Lord's anointed. He said, I can't do anything to Saul. I can't do anything. It's not my place. He said, God put that man in place. God put him in position. And even though God's anointed me to be king, God will have to remove him from position. He said, it's not my job to remove Saul. He's the anointed king. And Saul certainly was not anointed, but David respected the position. I wish I could get one amen in here. You might not be able to respect the person, but you ought to respect the position 
Some people get in trouble down there on the job that way. They're upset at their boss or a coworker, so they just go off on them. Wait a minute, before you go off on that person, you better, if you can't respect that person, you better respect their position. And listen to your conscience before you do or say something to get you in trouble. But we were talking about husbands and wives. Thank you for reminding me. We'll go back to that. First Peter chapter three. <laughs> First Peter three, one, in the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. And then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Wow. Look down at verse 16. Uh, it says, uh, 16, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Oh, I like that. Be gentle, be respectful, and keep a clear conscience. And, and every wife ought to treat her husband like that. Be gentle, be respectful. You're not going to always agree with that man. I said, you're not going to always agree with him. And, and can I give a news flash here? Can I say this? Husbands are not always right. Ooh, I got a bunch of female lady amens there. <laughs> that man is not always right. And most men have enough sense to know that and admit that. that but, so, but, but listen, but, but you should still be respectful toward that man. Can I get an amen there? You, you, you should still show a behavior that's, that's, that's gentle and respectful toward him. So, like like, like one, one, one wife told me, she said, well, when I see him doing right, then I'll give him some respect. I said, no, 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 you already got it wrong. You already got it backwards. Go ahead and disagree. Disagree respectfully, though. Yeah. And I tell you, every man ought to treat his wife he ought to treat her with respect and with gentleness. He ought to be able to show her honor because God himself is watching. Look at 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers would not be hindered. Yeah. And when you treat that woman right, praise God, you can know that God's watching. But you see, if you say something or do something to her that's not right, then your conscience ought to bother you. And then some people come riding in on a snail. You know what I mean by that? Some people are so slow to repent. And, and when your conscience is riding you, don't come in on a snail. You need to quickly repent. Be quick about it. Be, be quick to repent. Be quick to forgive. Amen. One way to continually receive healing is to be quick to repent and be quick to forgive. And when people violate their conscience and slow down and drag their way into repentance, drag their way into forgiveness, you'll hinder your own ability to receive from God. But, when, but, but you, if you follow the lives of people who receive from God quickly, they, they, they listen, they forgive quick and, 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 and listen, they repent quick. Following our conscience, following our conscience is so very important. How we are mindful of other people and how we treat other people. Go with, back with me to the book of Romans. Go back with me to the Bible has so much to say about our conscience and following our conscience. Oh, man. 
And Romans, uh, Romans, let's stop at Romans 9. Romans 9, verse 1. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. Yeah. Paul wrote, my conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. When our conscience is trained right, guess what? Our conscience can be the voice of our spirit when we get our conscience trained right. You understand what I mean by that? When our conscience is trained right, oh man, we can be led by the spirit so much easier when we have a trained conscience. Go with me to the book of Hebrews again. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but I'm doing that on purpose. Hebrews chapter five. The Bible has so much to say about keeping a clear conscience. God wants to lead us by the Spirit. How many here want to be led by the Spirit, want to flow with the Holy Ghost like never before? How many of you want this year to be the best year you've ever had, following Christ, yielding to Christ, your yieldedness to the Lord? Amen. Well, the thing about it is we can't mistreat one another and then just go on like nothing happened. Brother, won't get no amen there. You mistreat somebody, you need to go to that person and say, listen, I'm sorry, I, whatever, I'm sorry for what I did. Now, if the person doesn't know anything about it, you don't need to run over there and explain something. The person don't even know what you, you, you had a bad thought about somebody, they don't even know that. Don't, don't, go, don't go do that, you make it worse. I'm talking about you did something to somebody and they know you did it. <laughs> go make that right. Today in this generation, it's so easy now, we just cross the street. I'm gonna go over here. No. Don't cross the street. Go make it right. Watch God speak to you. Watch God. He's already empowered us, but watch the power of God flow through you. So many people ask him, well, how can I, how can I generate a greater power of God? The power is in me. I know I got that dunamis power in me. Hey, we better follow our conscience. Where did I tell you to go? Hebrews chapter five, verse 14. Solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. Who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. God can speak to us down in our conscience. And, and, but when he does, listen, we need to heed. We need to follow and obey. We need to follow and obey. One more scripture. We've got time for one more scripture. I got, I came loaded for bear. I got a bunch more scriptures, but we'll give you, we'll hit you one more and run. Uh, go with me to Romans, uh, Romans uh, 14. Let's do Romans 14. Praise God. We're talking about matters of conscience tonight. Matters of conscience. Romans 14, verse 1. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything. Another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? To their own, their own master, they will judge, their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Man, we have an obligation toward one another in the area of our conscience. And I encourage you and admonish you as we close to don't do what the Corinthian church do. I know we're out of time and I I won't give any more scriptures, but 
But the Corinthian church, they had an issue with conscience. They violated their conscience over and over again. And when Paul writes to them in 1 Corinthians 11, you know what he says to them? I'll let you look that up. But he says to them, he says, Corinthians, they're spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers. And he says to spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers, he said, many of you are, are weak and many of you are sick and many of you have died early. You ever read that in Corinthians? It's one of the most least quoted verses. <laughs> he tells spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians, many of you are weak, many of you are sick, and many of you have died early. And he says it's because of how you've treated your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It's because of the way that you've handled the communion, your, your irreverence for the communion, your irreverence for your brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, essentially, you violated your conscience and how you treat one another. Every young person ought to go make it right. You did something wrong and go make that right with mom and dad. Go make it right. You know, your parents, they do the best they can. It's not easy being a parent. I remember one time, one of my, son, one of my sons, I, I, he, he was about to do something he shouldn't. And, and I was home. I was home on the couch watching TV. Fell asleep. I was asleep on the sofa watching TV. And uh, something, he, he went out the door. He just got his license and they're forgetting. And uh, my older son, he just got his license and man, my spirits got stirred. And uh, just seemed like down on the inside of me, I felt, get up right now. Go to where he said he was going. And it just felt like this, just felt, didn't hear a voice, just felt this. Just, just stand somewhere and watch where you can see and observe. And man, I, it took three times, but by the third time I got up and, and jumped in the car. When I, when I went to the place where he said he was, I said, well, Lord, see, he's, he's where he said he was. I see his car right there. But down on the inside, I just felt this, just, just stand where you can watch and observe. And I'll never forget when he, he came out of the building and he was going to leave and go somewhere, but he looked across the street and he saw me just sitting there outside my car like this. He ran on back in there. <laughs> he came home about 30 minutes later because he said, Dad, he said, Dad, I got to repent. And do that right. He's such a fine, he's such a great man today. He is just, I'm so proud of him. This is my, my oldest son, man. He's just a, such a great man. He's just a, he's a good, good father, a good husband. He's just a great all-around man. I just love him. And he's just a great, great man. And, uh, but he said to me back then, he said, Dad, he said, I repent. I was wrong. <laughs> he said, can I ask you a question, Dad? I said, yeah. He said, Dad, how'd you know? to come to that spot and just stay right there and just wait right there. I said, son, I'm not that smart. I'm just your dad. I, I don't know anything. I said, but God does. And God could see you about to make a mistake. And my heart was just sensitive to the Lord. And so when he told me to get up and go and observe, I just did what the Lord told me. He said, well, dad, you kept me out of trouble. And he repented and he's the wonderful man that he is today. As I say, I'm so proud of him. Um, your heart will be so much more sensitive to the Lord. Sometimes people say, well, Lord, I want to know this. Or I want to know that. Let me tell you this. First of all, we walk by faith, not by sight. And there's no way we're going to know everything. Read, uh, you know, First uh, Corinthians 13. Sometimes we see through a glass dimly, one day face to face. So we're never going to know everything. But how many want to know as much as you can? <laughs> 
But sometimes we're hindered in what God wants to show us more. But he's, he's working through a vessel that has to be yielded. And, and you and I have to have a greater yieldedness. And with a greater yieldedness comes the blessing that God can reveal more things to us. He can show us more when we're more, ye- oh man, I wish I had an amen here. When we're more yielded. And the more we keep our conscience clear, the more yielded. Oh, I think you're seeing it now. Yeah, the more yielded we can be. Our prayer team's coming down here now. I want you to think about what I've shared tonight. Because I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, is talking to you. If you're here tonight and you need anything from the Lord, you want to be born again, your conscience has not been sprinkled with the precious blood of Jesus. Your conscience has not been cleansed. You are guilt-ridden. You can't get rid of that guilt. There's only one way to do it. It's the precious blood of Jesus. By accepting him tonight as your Savior and as your Lord, he will wash you. He will cleanse you. He will redeem you in that powerful blood. If you need that tonight, I want you to come forward. You might be here saying, you know, I know what it's like to be washed in the blood. I know what it's like to be cleansed in the blood. I know what it's like to have the the power of the blood of Jesus cleanse me. But I've, I've been doing my own thing lately. I've been going my own way. I've been calling my own shots. And my conscience is bearing witness that I'm not right with God. But I want to be. Hey, if you're here tonight, I want to give you an opportunity. Oh, Get your eyes off of people. Get your, because people love you and people don't care. The people just, they just want your well-being. If you're here tonight and you're not born again, let me see your hand in this place. You say, I'm not born again. I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never had the thrill of, of having my conscience sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. Is there anyone here you've never been born again? You've never known how Christ could sp- sprinkle his blood, cleanse your conscience. Anybody? Is anybody here and you say, I know I'm not right with God. My conscience, in my conscience, I am not right with God, but I want to be. Just want to make sure I don't want to miss anybody. Somebody watching me, somebody listening to me, you want to get right with God or you want to get born again. I'm going to say a prayer and I want you to say this prayer out loud after me. Are you ready? Say this with me. Father, I come. Everybody say it. Father, I come in the name of Jesus and I acknowledge that you are my father. But I have sinned. I've gone my own way. And tonight I confess my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash me in the blood of Jesus. I accept your offer of forgiveness through the person of Jesus Christ. And I invite Jesus to be my savior, to be my Lord to sprinkle my conscience with his precious blood to blot out my transgressions and to cleanse me and I'll follow you and I'll live for you and I'll do what you're telling me to do in Jesus name amen my friend if you prayed that prayer with me I want you to write in to prayer at rhema.org just send us a note prayer at rhema.org let us know that you prayed we'll get you some materials and some help we love you all right well saints of god
I just want you to stand on your feet at this time. If you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, come forward. You want somebody to, to, to partner with you. If you're a woman, you know how we do. Come to the ladies if you're a woman and come to the guys if you're a man. You know how we do by now. Continue to keep the Hagans and their team in your prayers this week. And follow your conscience. Let your conscience be your guide. Be sensitive. When God moves on you, tells you to repent or tells you to forgive someone, then do it quickly. Let me tell you, we all hurt or get hurt. And we all have need to forgive. So let God heal you and then fill you. And then you yield to him and watch God use you. All right, my friend, you'll be here Wednesday night. Our power, Pastor Tad, anything else? Are we good? We're good. All right, we love you. God bless you one and all.